0: Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is a Saturday as I come to you on kind of a random day here. Wanted to get something up on the Denver Stiffs podcast network before the Nuggets played their next couple of games because this is a special time. This is a special period in the Nuggets season where they are right at the midpoint. 41 games played. They are 29-12. and 12, Uh... I think that's one game better than last year at this point where they were 28-13. and That was a really surprising start that they had, but it was also a different Western Conference where only really the Warriors were an elite team at the beginning of the year last year. The Nuggets were one of the other elite teams, but this year the, the complexion of the league is just so balanced right now. You have the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks, but everybody else in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference is competing right now in the west you've obviously got the nuggets but you've also got the los angeles clippers the lake or the rockets the utah jazz the dallas mavericks they've all been great you have in the eastern conference philly has been kind of underwhelming i would say but they're still a good team the miami heat the indiana pacers the boston celtics lots of good quality teams everywhere you look right now, and it's it's made for a really interesting season, so where the Nuggets are right now I think is a really good spot. Hard to really argue, hard to really uh, go against what's going on so far. So in this episode, we are going to get into the mid-season grades, going to kind of step back and look at where every player is at right now, everybody on the roster. Some of them will be incomplete grades because we haven't seen much of them yet, but everybody has sort of made an impression so far and i think that that's a that's a really important part of this nugget season is that everybody's kind of in a different place than we thought they would be there are some some really interesting things i think to talk about from this discussion so in the first segment We're going to go the guards, point guards, and shooting guards. In the second segment, I'll go with the forwards, the small forwards, power forwards, and in the last segment, we'll go with the centers and Michael Malone as a whole. He also gets a grade. It's harder for me to speak on Michael Malone because so much of what he does is behind the scenes with his coaching staff, and so much of it is also dependent on what the players do, so keep that in mind when I grade him, but... Let's get right into it with the point guards and shooting guards. Okay, let's start with the point guards, and I'm going to start with P.J. Dozier, who gets an incomplete grade. He has played two games so far this year. The first game was really great, and he kind of stepped up out of nowhere and did exactly what the Nuggets needed him to right at the point that they needed him to because they were kind of in a hole and were were floundering a little bit without him. So glad to see that from P.J. Dozier. Monte Morris, he has had an interesting season as well. Numbers have looked relatively similar, but the minutes are down overall. He only had one start, and that was this last game against the Golden State Warriors. And he's going to be under the microscope for the next couple of weeks because it looks like Jamal Murray is going to miss multiple games. And while his MRI-slash-X-ray results have been relatively clean, that doesn't mean that a high, high ankle sprain is going to go away very quickly so monte morris is going to be in the spotlight so far like i said numbers are the same if you look at his you look at his profile from last year to this year per 36 minutes he was scoring 15.6 points last year 14.9 points this year assists he was at 5.4 he's up to 6.6 this year so he's been more productive in that scope of his game the three-point shooting is right around the same, but the attempts are down. And the two-point shooting is pretty far down from where it was last year. Last year's at 53.1%. This year, two-point shooting's at 45.7%. So much of his game, especially in the two-point range, depends on whether his floater is dropping, whether the mid-range is dropping. In those particular zones this year, He's having a down year less less than where he was last last season, except for his long twos. And while that's fine, that's never going to be the shot that the Nuggets are really really looking for, really craving within the scope of their offense. So I'm going to give him a B minus because he has done pretty much everything that has been asked of him and done a reasonable job with it. It can't be Much higher than that. Maybe it could be a B. Can't be really an A, though, because he has had some points in his game where it's just not as efficient. Last year was fifty-seven point seven percent true shooting. This year, that's down to fifty-two point two, and that's those are important drop-offs. It has changed his overall value to the offense, and it's one of the reasons why Denver's bench just hasn't been as efficient as it was in past years, and or as as effective overall. So. But take it with a grain of salt, he has been good, just not good enough to get an A grade. As for Jamal Murray, this is a toughie because he is in a position where the numbers are basically the same as last year. Uh, So much of his value that he adds to the team goes beyond the box score, though with his ability to lead the team, get them in the right sets, make sure that he spaces the floor properly, and and make sure that the Jokic offense is flowing exactly the way it needs to. But that's not the only thing that he can be graded on. At some point, you have to look at the numbers and understand that while the overall stats are pretty much the same, there are some aspects of his game that he hasn't improved, namely the three-point shooting. That'll be kind of a running theme in this podcast, I think, because the the numbers kind of across the board for this Nuggets team are, if, if they're shooting better, then the Nuggets are basically a top-five offense. But the problem is, is that they haven't shot better as a team. They've actually shot worse than they did last year. That's a, a really alarming trend for a team that has Nikola Jokic as a creator. Um, he still has good chemistry with Nikola Jokic, but the more I kind of watch Murray and the more I watch guys like Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr., the more I really realize that the ball handlers, they don't have to do crazy things to get, to the, to get into the paint and shoot threes. It doesn't have to be the, the crazy dribble handoffs and spin moves and through-the-legs crossovers, and settling, and then you still settle for a mid-range jumper anyway. Right now, Murray ranks 87th in the league in threes attempted, and his percentage has dropped all the way to 32%. Last year was up near 37, the year before was 37, 38. 32% just isn't really going to get it done from a lead ball handler perspective. And while Jokic does so much of what he does, he frees up a lot of space for Jamal Murray. And and Murray, in terms of his open three-point shooting and wide-open three-point shooting, just hasn't really gotten to the point where it's, it's, it's just not where the Nuggets need him to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does for the rest of the year and how he comes back from this ankle injury. I think that he needs to up his three-point rating. I think he needs to update his three-point attempt rate and his three-point percentage because the guys that that have a higher three-point attempt rate than him, there are a lot of star guards. Guys like James Harden, Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Bradley Beal, Uh, Murray's kind of in that range of Lou Williams, Drew Drew Holiday, and, and Donovan Mitchell. Now, Lou Williams is a bench player for a reason. He doesn't necessarily impact the offense in the way that a starter can, in the way that a starter and star has to. Now, Lou Williams is good at what he does, but he's in that role for a reason. As for Drew Holiday, he's having a down offensive year. There's a reason why he hasn't been as good in the the New Orleans Pelicans haven't been as good as they can be based off of their talent, even though they've had Brandon Ingram play at an an all-star level and other guys like J.J. Redick and Derek Favors on their roster that are very competent players. And then Donovan Mitchell has just been more efficient from two and from three than Jamal Murray has this season. So it's going to be interesting. Murray is still 22 years old. He turns 23 in February. I still have faith in him. I still believe that he can be a major part of this team. But I think Nuggets fans have to acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged here, and that's that he is basically where he was. So I never actually gave him a grade. I'm going to give him a C. It's It could be worse. It could be better based off of what he, he has done. But I think that's kind of the happy medium. It's a, His numbers were about where he was last year, so... He's doing basically what's expected from his baseline last year, so he gets a C for that. Let's move on to the shooting guards. Um, This is also not going to be as fun of a segment as some of the other positions. Malik Beasley has not really played this year. The the only two I'm going to grade in this section are Malik Beasley and Gary Harris. Uh, Beasley, he gets a C, and the reason why he gets a C is because when he has been effective... It has. It, he has had minutes. He's had that time to impact the game. And you want to see that from a guy like him. You want to see him continue to space the floor. And when he's on the floor, the Nuggets shoot better from three. That's a thing that I've, I've seen on PV, PVP sats. When he's on the floor, the Nuggets shoot better as a team. I think that that's a really important piece of all of this, is that they have done better offensively when they had more three-point shooting on the floor. Unfortunately, he just hasn't gotten on the floor based off of both reasons within and without and outside of his control. He has not improved as a defender. He has not improved as a creator and the three-point shooting or the three-point shooting is great, but if you can't shoot efficiently inside the arc, then There's only so much offensive value that you can bring to the team on a consistent basis because sometimes you're going to run up against a team that can guard the three point line and you need to be able to do something outside of that. I am looking forward to seeing what happens at this trade deadline because I think Malik Beasley is getting traded. I do not know where, I do not know when, or if if that's even true. But that's kind of the read that I get on this situation is that it, it only took injuries to Jamal Murray, Gary Harris and Paul Millsap to get him consistent minutes after he was playing a massively consistent role last season. Now Will Barton has done a great job of of filling in that role that he was filling and Michael Porter Jr is a guy that has stolen minutes to be clear, but it says a lot that Malik Beasley hasn't been able to crack this rotation. So I give him a C that is, it's, it's hard to get above that, but he has been mostly effective when he's been on the floor, but he has, just hasn't been able to get out there. As for Gary Harris, Gary Harris gets a D+. There's not a lot to talk about with Gary Harris. It's, it's a pretty simple factor at this point. His offensive role is not large. He should be efficient within the minutes that he's getting and the shots that he's taking. He is the fifth option on offense, and that is a that is an issue. That if you, if you can't play efficiently on offense, then it's really hard to consistently play that way. Now he has been great defensively, and especially against guards, like guys like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Buddy Hield. He's defended Luka Doncic well. He's defended James Harden well when he was out there. Remember the the Rockets game when the Rockets kicked Denver's butt. Gary Harris wasn't out there. He was injured. So I take it with a grain of salt that even though the the three-point percentage is down, uh, the finishing is down overall with Gary Harris. He's still, like, it's not an F because he has been a great defender. It consistently is. But he still remains limited on that end due to a smaller frame. And I think there are going to be a lot of tough conversations going forward about Gary Harris that, whether he can be a starter on this team when they when they need him most. It it's going to be interesting because his three-point percentage has gone from 42% in 2016-2017 when Jokic took over to 39% the year after to 34% and now it's all the way down to 31.6%. That's not the trend that you want especially from a a guy that you're you're really looking to space the floor at the shooting guard position. I mean there's a reason why it's called shooting guard. You need that guy to be able to space the floor. Finishing wise, Gary Harris is shooting an awesome 69% in the restricted area. Nice. Unfortunately, he's shooting 26% just outside of that in the three to ten foot range. That's the floater range. That's the the I-can't-get-all-the-way-to-the-rim-so-I'm-going-to-settle-for-a-shot-just-outside-of-the-restricted-area kind of range. He hasn't been taking a lot of shots in the restricted area. Those have gone down. He's only shooting 26% outside there. That's There's a massive difference between when he can get to the restricted area and when he can't. And lately, he hasn't been able to get there that often, except for in transition or off of a back cut on occasion like it's it's just in the half court he has settled for a lot of shots just outside the restricted area or even further than that so that's not going to get it done for what Denver needs going forward um it's tough because I really like Gary Harris's game I like what he was able to do but the falloff is undeniable the falloff at this point is is really disappointing because there was a time where, Gary Harris was the guy that you trusted with the ball in his hands, even in late-game situations. He was creating off the dribble. He was getting all the way to the rim. He was even taking pull-up threes with efficiency. It's it's going to be a tough situation for the Nuggets going forward and not looking forward to seeing it. So that'll do for this segment. Uh, In the next segment, we will talk about the small forwards and power forwards. We will be right back. Learn more at Marines dot com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. Coming to you from South Carolina, I will be here short term and then we'll be coming back and we'll be missing the next Nuggets game in person, but you will hear from me still on the podcast over the course of this time and I will do my best to watch as many of these games and consume them and give you the the great statistical analysis that you've come to appreciate from me. So, appreciate you guys all the same. Let's move into small forwards. I have four guys listed at small forward. We have Barton, Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Michael Porter Jr. Decided to classify Vlako Shanchar as a power forward because he, whenever he comes onto the floor, he's either at the four or the five. So hard to really put him into the small forward category. Uh, let's start with Will Barton this time. Let's start with the starter as opposed to the bench guys. Will Barton gets an A- for me. He has proved his value over and over over again to this team, been incredibly important to what they have done thus far. He has made the job easier for Jamal Murray because he has been handling the ball. He has an easier job than Jamal Murray, and I think it's easy for people to kind of elevate Barton for what he has done over what Murray has done because Barton's job is easier and he does it better. That said, the expectations for Barton were really low going into this season, going into this year, after a really tough year last year, wrought with uh, rot with injury. But he has satisfied all requirements for that spot. He has had better defense. He has been efficient off the dribble as a scorer and a playmaker, gets to the rim consistently, draws a lot of defenders. He has a higher percentage of his shots that are attempted at the rim than all players, but Mason Plumlee, Michael Porter Jr., Tory Craig and Paul Millsap. If you're keeping score at home, that's two bigs and two of the off-ball power forwards or off-ball small forwards that are in this in this discussion. Nobody in the backcourt gets to the rim more than Will Barton does, and I think that's really important when discussing what his value is like. Most of the time he's defended against small forwards, and those guys are pretty big, so it has to be hard to get to the rim on a consistent basis, but he still is able to do it. Uh, he has had career highs in player efficiency rating, rebound percentage. He's been a wonderful rebounder, and that's been one of the reasons why Denver has been so effective when he's been in the lineup. He has a career low turnover rate. All of this is as a starting wing. All of this is when when we were discussing what Will Barton could be last year, whether he could go back to being a sixth man or if he was the starter. I think he's clearly justified that he is a capable starter in this in this league. Now, whether he can be a starter on Denver's next championship team if if they keep Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic all together, then I don't know. I don't know if they need more defense in the backcourt to be able to accomplish that. But at this current moment, he has been awesome and it's really hard to argue with anything that he has done. He deserves all of the praise, all of the credit. The only reason this is not higher the three point percentage has come down a lot lately, and he's less efficient than I think you want a creator to be. But in terms of relative expectation, I don't factor that in that much. He gets an A. Tory Craig. Hard to really evaluate Tory Craig other than just saying he is what he is. He is not a three point shooter, he's not a guy who spaces the floor exceptionally and that he he really is never going to be that. It was amazing that he hit 47% of his threes in the playoffs last year. But I think it's safe to say after watching what he did the previous couple of seasons and then watching what he has done this year, he's just not a three-point shooter. And that's okay. You don't have to be a three-point shooter at the small forward position in order to be effective. His role, like Malone has said in the past, is not to be a shooter. He is a one-on-one defender. He is a guy who makes life harder for opposing star players. He has done that very well this year in a limited capacity against guys like Kemba Walker and Devonte Graham and James Harden and a number of other ex- examples throughout the year. He, he made Damian Lillard's job pretty difficult in the, the couple of times he's played him. Uh, it's really hard to discuss Tory Craig without wanting more and I think the Nuggets as a whole they it's really hard to play with Tory Craig sometimes because he really is a specialist. He really is a guy that you you deploy him for one reason and it's hard to work him into the offense and and continue to play the same way that you always play when he's out there. But the fact is he's done what he's done. He has been pretty much exactly what the expectation was, so I give Tory Craig a C. It's hard to give him any higher or lower than that. Hasn't shot the ball well enough to really deserve more, but he hasn't defended any poorly than lower than a C, so give him credit for what he's done. Juancho Hernan Gomez, he gets a D, and the reason for that is I just don't see a future with him on this team. He has struggled to get on the floor. He has struggled to earn Malone's trust on a consistent basis, but he does have his trust. It's just hard to play him right now, and when he has been played, when he's with Nikola Jokic, he's great, but he just doesn't play with Nikola Jokic very often right now. So let me do that. Let me, uh, let me see if I can figure that out real quick as to how many minutes he has played with Nikola Jokic versus out without Nikola Jokic, because I think that that's a really good distinguisher between his success level at for this Nuggets team. If you can't tell, I'm stalling right now to try and pull up those numbers for you. Let's go with totals right here. So, yeah, uh, Wancho has played a total of 52 minutes with Nikola Jokic on the floor. And he's played a total of 256 minutes without Nikola Jokic. So uh, basically close to 20%, we'll, we'll call it, we'll round down, it's, it's really like 17% of his minutes have come with Nikola Jokic. And he's been good in those minutes. He's a plus 22 overall. That's actually Nikola Jokic's one of his best two-man net ratings. He, he does really well when he plays with Wancho. But that's not all that he does. That's not all that Wancho is out there for, and he has to be effective in those other minutes. But the fact is, he's only shooting 34.7% from three. Actually, no, let's uh, let's evaluate that from a, a Wancho perspective. Wancho's only shooting 24% from three when Jokic is off the floor. That's a really tough ask. That's a really tough thing, and he doesn't really drive the basketball well, and so when, when you put the ball in his hands, he, it's not going to go well. Uh the Nuggets are in a position right now where they're developing Michael Porter Jr. And unfortunately Wancha Hernan Gomez is kind of caught in the in the middle of this developing spree. So it's really too bad. i I was looking forward to seeing what Wancha could do this year, but going forward I just don't see the future for him on this roster. I'm gonna give him a D. The the defense has been bad, offense has been Okay, uh, kind of have to meet somewhere in the middle there, and I, I guess D is probably the way to go. Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is at a really interesting point in his career right now. He has just had a string of games that very few rookies have. Very few rookies get to that point where they are showing superstar talent and they're doing it in back-to-back games. But he has that. He genuinely, genuinely has that. He is the only rookie in NBA history so far this season. He's, he's played a limited time. But he's the only rookie in NBA history to shoot 50% from two or 50% from the field and 40% from three on over a 20% usage. So the reason why 20% usage matters some rookies hit those marks when they're playing a complementary role, when they're not as involved, when they're, they're not isolating or they're not like grabbing rebounds and finishing and ones like, like Michael Porter Jr. is doing. Porter's doing it while taking and making some extremely tough shots while shooting over a, a really tough contest or hitting a, a step-back three over Doug McDermott's face where, where he steps back four to five feet. It's just been really impressive watching him and watching him grow, really, because where he was at in Game 1 is not where he's at now in after Game 41. Like Him being able to close that game against Golden State and for Malone to be able to trust him to do enough of what he needs to do, he helped win that game for Denver. He wasn't the most important player on the floor, but if he doesn't hit the shots that he hits, they don't win. They don't. So been very glad to see what he has done. He's going to break into this rotation and really make some people uncomfortable, unfortunately. Well, I it's unfortunate for them. I think it's best for the Nuggets that he continues to establish himself, that he continues to showcase that he has the capability and he he has the talent to be able to do these things. The shooting's undeniable. The scoring is undeniable. He has done it in different ways. He's starting to feel more comfortable as a passer. He had five assists against the Warriors in that in that game, and I think there's a reason why. I think he's finding himself a little bit more, and you'll love to see it. You'll love to see him grow into his role as a 21-year-old and really begin to understand that he can impact the game in several ways, it doesn't just have to be as a scorer. That will always be the most important way for him in particular, but he's doing a great job. All right, let's move it along to the power forwards. I'll go pretty quickly on this section. Jared Vanderbilt gets an incomplete. Haven't seen him. we getting a little bit worried about that, that he hasn't been really involved with, the, with what the Nuggets are doing. And even though Paul Millsap is injured, haven't heard anything from Jared Vanderbilt in a while. Uh, Black Chanchar just recently got in the games, but he's an incomplete as well. Uh, When he plays, it's really as a victory cigar, not not as anything to really kind of take into account. Uh, He's clearly has rookie, like rookie-itis though. He, he, He still doesn't know if he belongs out there yet. So Looking forward to seeing what he can do when he grows a little bit, when he can find his way into a a 10th or 11th man role. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is, out of 485 players, he is 443rd in overall plus minus. Uh, I had the players right around him. I think it was Dennis Smith Jr. was one of them as well as some other really bad players, some really bad players on bad teams. He's not keeping great company right now, Jeremy Grant. His effect on the team is decidedly negative from a plus-minus perspective, and he's really one of only two players to have that effect, and the other is Torrey Craig. So I am still trying to figure out my feelings on... Grant and how he can impact the team from a full perspective, from a a, not just an individual perspective and not just a whether he can help them in the playoffs perspective, but from a team perspective. Does he fit with Nikola Jokic? I think that the answer so far is an undoubted no. When he's been with the starting lineup, the the Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic lineup, that lineup sucks. That lineup is really bad, and it's it's not getting any better, even with time. Uh, his role definitely changes between when he's on the bench and when he's a starter. And you feel for the guy when he's still kind of learning how to play, still kind of learning how to blend with this team. But I'm still worried about him. I, I really am. And it's too bad. i got to give him a D. He's had these good moments individually. He can shoot. He can make plays off the dribble. He can guard other players one-on-one, but he just hasn't fit into the team concept. And even though I remain positive about how he can play in the playoffs and his ability to switch, and maybe that's what wins Denver a series against the Houston Rockets or the Utah Jazz, if you can switch Jeremy Grant onto Donovan Mitchell on a consistent basis, Mitchell is a guy who won't abuse him like he might abuse Paul Millsap on a switch because those guys are so jittery those guys are so quick Grant has the ability to stay with them I, I'm not sure that Paul Millsap does so when you get into that situation you may need him but right now what Jeremy Grant has done it's not good it's just it's just something is off with what the with what Jeremy Grant, Brings to this Nuggets team, I thought it would be better. I genuinely did. I, I had a lot of confidence. I thought that the the Jeremy Grant Nikola Jokic combo would be like a the best net rating on the team, in, in terms of like the main guys. I thought that it would be better than what Paul Millsap and Jokic do. And maybe it will come with time, where it's unclear. Maybe it'll come when Michael Porter Jr. is competent and can really showcase his potential and Jeremy Grant plays more of a complementary role like he did in uh, like he did in Oklahoma City. But the Nuggets have to make this decision really quickly and the, the the decision I don't think is going to be good or or if if they do re-sign him it's with the understanding that it might not work because it hasn't really worked so far. On the other side of the spectrum Paul Millsap has not been a concern at all outside of the injuries. He has the highest net rating on the team by a wide margin. He's eighth overall in net rating in the NBA behind four players on the Milwaukee Bucks, Alex Caruso, Terrence Davis. Shout out to Terrence Davis from the the Summer League roster, the Summer League Nuggets, and Kawhi Leonard. So you've got four Milwaukee Bucks, a Laker, a, a bench Raptor, and Kawhi when he plays. Paul's right after that. Paul is, is in a good situation, and he has just such a massively positive effect on what the Nuggets do. Even though some of his skills aren't like as tip-top as they were, he's not shooting as well from two-point range, for example, he's still doing well. He's still spacing the floor from three. He's still playing in the right position defensively. And the Nuggets just clearly know who they are when he's out there. And it shows in the net rating. It shows in the the positive metrics. Uh, they don't really know who they are when Jeremy Grant's out there. And that's too bad. They, they haven't found that level of success. But it has shown just how valuable Paul Millsap is to the team and how difficult it is to replicate his skill set. So I hope the Nuggets are watching that and understanding that, hey, we have a guy here who is really important to the team but is also 34 35 and they they may not have the right solution in place behind him at jeremy grant so have to be understanding and willing to change okay let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to get to the centers and to head coach michael malone in our evaluations we'll be right back All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here, out here in South Carolina. Let's move to centers. It's going to be a quick, brief segment because I don't think a lot needs to be said that has been Denver's most stable position thus far. Nikola Jokic gets a B B+. Not a lot to say about Nikola Jokic other than he really didn't try for the first 15 to 20 games, and once he picked it up, he has been an MVP candidate. Truly sensational. He's back up to around 19 points, 10 rebounds, and six and a half assists right now. The three-point percentage is up to 33%. Lots of good indicators that he's back, that he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do to elevate this team and can continue to elevate this team in the playoffs. I have zero worries about Nikola Jokic. Mason Plumlee gets a B. Um, hard to really argue with Mason Plumlee's production so far. He has been good in his role behind Nikola Jokic and has played really well next to him. That's a wrinkle that the Nuggets are just starting to really get back to, especially with Paul Millsap injured, but the Jokic-Plumlee lineup has been wonderful, again. Uh, when Plumlee's on the bench, it's it's or when he's the only big on the floor, it's been an interesting experience. Uh, he hasn't paired well with Jeremy Grant, but I don't know if that's entirely his fault. I kind of harp on Mason Plumlee's limitations, but overall, he has been what the Nuggets needed from a backup center, especially a backup behind Nikola Jokic, because sometimes if Jokic gets into foul trouble or if he isn't playing the way that he needs to, the Nuggets have needed Mason Plumlee to step into the starting group, and he has done really well there. So credit is credit where credit is due plumlee has been good the pick and roll pairing with monte morris has gotten back to gotten back to its spots gotten back to a good good place um, and plumlee is still creating out of the post still finishing a lot of dunks around the rim defense I'm, I'm a little bit worried about still and i think if people would be lying if they told you that they wor- weren't worried about what mason plumlee could contribute to a playoff rotation but we're just gonna have to see because Denver is kind of dependent on him right now. And when Nikola Jokic is off the floor, they're going to need somebody to step up. The Nuggets are seriously hoping that it's him because they haven't tried the Grant Millsap lineup yet, and they may not get an opportunity to if injuries persist and if they have other goals in mind. Bull Bull gets an incomplete. He's had some really good minutes, haven't really gotten an update as to why he's not playing in the G League right now. My guess is that they're resting his foot, that he has proven himself enough, and that they don't want to add too much stress to his limbs at this point while he continues to build up his body. Uh, but he hasn't been playing lately. Uh, when he was out there, he was good. He would look, had a lot of talent, just being able to block shots from a distance, being able to move his body pretty well uh he's still a stick figure out there and the nuggets are going to have to figure that out that's a big dilemma in terms of his body but they're going to figure it out eventually michael malone michael malone it's 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 difficult to evaluate a coach it always is some coaches are more involved than others some coaches preach certain ideals and those ideals are either realized or not realized. Uh, Malone has always been a defensive-minded coach, and it it tears him apart that the Nuggets have really dropped off as a defensive team lately. I tend to side with the notion that without Paul Millsap, it's really hard to defend. He is kind of Denver's defensive anchor, and he's played less and less lately and has been less effective ever since the first 20 games. So that's kind of a a big deal when you're talking about who is effective and and how to defend all of these great teams. So, but it's really hard to argue with a lot of the choices he's made as well. He's done a a decent job of motivating Denver in a lot of different situations. The, uh, the, Losing to bad teams, I think some of that is on him, most of it's on the players, but Malone still has to find creative ways to keep those players engaged, whether it's sitting guys and then giving other bench players an opportunity to shine. Maybe a bench player gets to start in a certain situation. Maybe it keeps Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap a little bit more healthy if they are resting at times. That to me is, is kind of one of the lost things here is that the Nuggets didn't really load manage at the beginning of the year. They were playing their starting they were playing their starting unit a ton. And now Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Paul Millsap are dealing with injuries. So some of that is on Michael Malone for not being able to pull them out of those games, not being able to say, Hey, we're going to go without you tonight and get you some rest. Uh here, Malik Beasley get a you get an opportunity to go in for Gary Harris, or here, uh, Jeremy Grant. We need to see what you can do in place of Paul Millsap. He's done that on occasion now, but seeing those guys dealing with a lot of nagging injuries, and you hope that they're back and ready before the playoffs start. Uh, we'll we'll see if they're fully healthy, but there are other different ways that he has. Done well and not done well. His handling of Michael Porter Jr. I think has been excellent. Uh, People want Michael Porter Jr. to play. I want to see Michael Porter Jr. play. I think Michael Malone wants to see Michael Porter Jr. play. But there are just certain things that he needs to learn and has learned at this point before getting more minutes and getting into the rotation. Malone has been teaching him how to play his role and how to make an impact even when he's not the main scorer. Now that he's going out and being more of a main scorer, I think he's going to be in a bigger role going forward. I think he's going to play in a playoff series, and Malone's going to have to manage that, and that's going to be interesting to see. But there's a reason why Michael Porter Jr. is ready to play now, why he's so good at this point. And I think a lot of it is that Michael Malone has kind of opened the box just kind of like a, a degree at a time. Uh, and now it's, now it's almost all the way open. Um, at some point, it will be all the way open, and he will be trusted to maybe even start, maybe to close more games if he's got it going. Maybe it's to play consistently 25 minutes or more. But the Nuggets have been able to win without him, and now they're starting to need him a little bit more because of these injuries. So I think that they are going to be in a position where he's going to play, and Malone's going to have to balance that. But I think he's done it really well so far. Malone also gets a lot of credit for handling how the team played in November. They had a really good month of November, despite Nikola Jokic not coming to play. He was really bad and kind of wishy-washy in those first months, or those that kind of first six weeks of the season. And Nicole, or Michael Malone kept the team engaged, kept them going forward and playing strong defense during that time. And because of that, they were able to Maintain a strong record, uh, even with like a, the 20th ranked offense. Not all of that offense was on Michael Malone. A lot of it was on Nikola Jokic for not executing what he needs to do. on Gary Harris for not shooting well. It was on Jeremy Grant for not fitting in well to the group, or Monte Morris not shooting well at the beginning of the year. So Malone can't really be blamed for a lot of that. He still has a soft spot for Tory Craig. That hasn't really worked out in terms of the overall team situation. Uh, Torrey Craig only has a positive plus minus in nine of Denver's 28 games. That's a pretty big deal. Um, when they have to go with those defensive subs, it just hasn't been super effective. So, But to his credit, Torrey Craig has only played 28 games. He could be in a situation where because Denver isn't playing that well lately, Torrey Craig could be playing every single game to try and elevate the defense, but he's not. There are certain situations where he doesn't play, and I thought Malone did a good job of, especially in this last game, just riding the hot hand and riding what was working with what Malik Beasley and Michael Porter Jr. were adding to the starting lineup in terms of their offense. Um, So – Overall, the team is 29 and 12. They're in a good position. They've been good in clutch moments. That's a lot of coaching. That's a lot of Jokic excellence. Don't get me wrong, but that's a lot of coaching. I'm going to give Malone a B plus. I think he deserves it. I think there are things that I would personally disagree with and would try to improve. But again, I don't know the locker room dynamics any more than Most people. I I know it more than some people, that's for sure. But Michael Malone has been great. He has been what this team has needed up to this point. There is a reason why they have been better and better and better throughout the years. It's because Michael Malone's message continues to get through to this team that they need to play good defense in order for their offense to really shine, to really be impactful. There's good offense, and then there's good offense kind of surrounded by a good team construct surrounded by good team defense that can help make that good offense more impactful. So the 16-2 run isn't just a 16-12 run. Michael Malone is as much a part of that as any player on this team. So he is ingrained into this culture. He is ingrained to the workmanlike atmosphere that Denver consistently brings to the table. Lots of teams around the NBA understand that. They know that Denver's going to be a tough out. Malone proved himself in the playoffs last year as a playoff coach, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does for the rest of the year. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you for tuning in to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. Really appreciate all of the downloads over the course of the last month. It's been great. had a really great time doing what I'm doing, and I'm excited that you guys are interested in what's going on here too. We will be back on my episode on Tuesday, we'll have another episode following a couple of games for this Nuggets team. They are in a good spot. 29-12, and 12, really hard to argue with. Going to be interesting to see what they do. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.